having a diverse management team isn't just the right thing to do. It's good business. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business Magazine, and in this edition of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Jerry Fernandez, the president and founder of the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. This is an important topic. The events of the past couple of weeks, featuring demonstrations around the world fueled by the death of George Floyd while under Minneapolis police custody, have highlighted issues of racism throughout society. And this is an especially important point in the hospitality industry, where nearly half of the employees are persons of color, yet the vast majority of management teams are white. We discuss these issues with Jerry, one of the leading voices in the industry on cultural intelligence. He talks about why having a culturally intelligent workplace is important, but also very profitable, especially given current consumer trends. And he discusses how operators can make this happen. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Jerry Fernandez. Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Super. Um, so why don't we start off like this? Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance is and, and tell us a little bit about your background. Well, um, I'm a restaurant uh, guy by training. I went mm -hmm. right out of high school to Johnson & Wales in Providence in the second graduating class from the culinary program and uh, been in the industry ever since. So, um, you know, I did my stint like everybody else and learning the ropes and worked in Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard at the Waldorf and then came back to the university, did some time where I placed students at Disney. So I got a real good handle on this and it was during one of those years I went to my first restaurant show and got a sense that the industry was a whole lot bigger than, than what we were seeing in our backyard. So um, ultimately, I ended up opening the very first Capital Grill for Ned Grace, uh, which you now know is operated by Darden. And I uh, had some great experiences working with him uh, and uh, uh, went from there to General Mills in 92. And it was while I was at General Mills that we got MFHA started. Um, and so uh, I owe a great deal of, uh, of uh, gratitude to General Mills for, for sponsoring me, giving me the ability to get this thing up and running. And so what we're focused on is making the business case for why, you know, solid diversity management practices are good for the bottom line. And we always you know, have felt like being inclusive, being diverse and being inclusive is, is smart. It's just good business. And there's a lot of social, moral, ethical reasons for doing it. But the bottom line is probably as good as anything else. You're going to make more money. You're going to build solid relationships with your employees. Uh, and you're going to, to be able to reach out to diverse uh, guests and potential um, uh, partnerships that can add value to the brand. So for 25 years, uh, I've devoted my uh, entire career, my life, to helping the industry get to higher ground on issues of diversity and inclusion uh, and get people to try to think you know, long term, that investing in our people as much as we talk about it, um, we need to be more about it. And I think the, the current day's uh, events are really going to drive that, that piece home. Right. So tell me a little bit about why, you know, why is it good for business to 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 consider these issues? Why is it very, so important uh, from a financial standpoint to have you know, uh, a, a culturally intelligent company or a, a, a diverse workforce? Why, why is this important? Well, we, we have a diverse workforce, whether mm -hmm. we like it or we don't. It just is. <laughs> and so diversity is all around us. We're going to be more, we're going to see more black, more brown, Latino, more immigrant um, populations in, in our workforce. It's just the way the demographics are going. 
And so how do we find ways to develop that talent to its highest potential? Uh, and if you have people who feel valued and included in a, in a company, they give you that thing called discretionary effort. You know, I remember when I was a restaurant operator, because I used to uh, be focused on helping people get better, and I would push them hard. You're only giving me 60%, and I'm not gonna, I, I'm not giving you another shift until you show me you can give me 80%. That that when you push people like that, they they realize they can get better. And then when I needed them, if I called them on a Saturday morning, they would pick up my phone and come to work. And so that's the discretionary effort, stuff I don't have to do, um, but that I do because I want to. So so there's a huge, the second thing is customers come in all sizes, shapes, and colors. And so don't talk to me exactly the way you talk to everyone else. We've learned that in marketing, uh, in every, every aspect of business. We've learned how to segment marketing um, works and how to target customers. So, so from here, we've always looked at diversity has four elements, the workforce, the customer, the community, and the supply chain. Now, we don't talk as much about the supply chain uh, in recent years uh, as we did in the past, but everybody gets the workforce. You've got to find them, develop them, and keep them. And to the extent that you can do that well, then your turnover goes down, your, your retention goes up, they make fewer mistakes, uh, they're brand loyal. Um, and then the customer piece, you know, for a long time, everybody felt like, yeah, we, we kind of got it. We, we really know how to talk to all these different customers. And what we're finding now is customers are expecting different, um, different things from, from you. And they have high expectations for the brand. And so if you don't really understand what is driving your guests, uh, your customers, in terms of what their life is like, what their experiences are, then you're missing the boat. And then the last one that I'll talk about uh, is the community piece. If you understand the communities that make up the radius of your restaurants, if you understand how they think, how the black community, the Hispanic community, the LGBTQ plus community, the military community, if you understand how these different community groups are experiencing life and what they want out of their everyday existence, you'll know how to better talk to them how to attract them as employees, and you'll also be able to attract them as guests. And so diversity can pay off in so many different ways, mm -hmm. not to mention if you have an issue uh, and you have a relationship with diverse organizations, then you can pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, we, we, we made a mistake. We're human. Something went wrong. Um, you have friends who can say, yeah, you know, the Jonathan that I know, we did this years ago for, for Hyatt Hotels and, and for other companies when somebody would say, hey, this company's doing this or this company's doing that. And I would say, hey, the Hyatt that I know, I know their CEO, and this is what I've seen, so I'm not sure if you will have the full story. So we played that role of advocate, pushing the industry and, and companies to go further, farther, more effectively. But we've also played that role as, as uh, um, protecting the brand, build and protect the brand. And we think that right there is, is, a, is a clear ROI that companies need to be thinking more directly about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And getting back to the um, the diverse workforce, I mean, you absolutely have a point. I think I I uh, was looking at the numbers uh, just last week and nearly 50 percent of all restaurant workers, nearly half of all restaurant workers are, um, you know, either African or uh, Latino, Hispanic or Asian. Um, right. So, I mean, I mean, to that point, I mean, if you're a restaurant, you're going to have a diverse workforce, whether you like it or not. Um, and it seems to make a lot 
of, you know, I mean, just overall financial sense to, uh, you know, really not just encourage that, but make sure that, you know, you have an environment that's conducive to that because that's that's the workforce that you're going to have and that's only going to increase over time because, you know, just the wave of uh, demographic changes. Right. And, you know, if you, if you, I always say, if you don't know how to take um, advantage of the talent that you have on your team, you don't know what's in their head, how they think, how you can leverage it to the bottom line. It's like having a Porsche in your garage and you never drive it. So for a long time, people who have been right in your company telling you, they could tell you how we could get more people from my community, but you don't ask. I, I think what, we, what we're seeing now is that the level of cultural intelligence, your cultural IQ, understanding that not everybody who identifies as a black American is African-American. Mm-hmm. My wife is African-American from Savannah, Georgia. She is a descendant of slaves. My family came here from West Africa, so I have African-Portuguese roots. Hmm. I identify as black, but not technically African-American. And our Caribbean brothers from Jamaica, don't call them African-Americans because it irritates them. So every group has, has, has some cultural nuance. And when you get to know your people, you know who they are. You understand that people from the LGBT community, some people are open and, and, and out about their, their sexuality. And others are not. When you know how to engage people properly, they work harder for you. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they cover up mistakes when you have a, 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 an honest error. But when you don't have loyalty, and you know, when you look at these things here, um, we're just going through this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the, the African-American community is three times more likely to get the virus and die from the virus. Um, as a manager, you need to know if you've got a significant number of African-Americans working for you, or guess, you better be sensitive to that issue. And you ought not to be walking around, even if you believe it, you wouldn't say, hey, I think this is fake news. Well, because that's going to tick somebody off. Me, personally, we've lost four family members to COVID-19. Really? So it's personal for me. And, 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 and this issue up in Minneapolis, my son's graduated from, all three of our boys graduated from Minneapolis Public Schools, two miles from where that, that event, and they played football two blocks from there. So mm-hmm. we know what, what this, and all of my sons had to have the talk. I had to tell them what it was going to be like when they get stopped by the police, how to behave so that you can increase the likelihood that you don't get arrested, you don't get hurt or killed. That's mm-hmm. a conversation that our white brothers don't have to have. And so when you're culturally intelligent, you understand the experiences to, to some degree. You understand how to engage people more effectively. You know which, which things to say and what things not to say. You know, you know, and I think people are finding that out. Unfortunately, when, when they make mistakes uh, in this type of environment, the social media will, 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 will kill you. And, and one of the more interesting developments with this younger cohort uh, Gen Z um, uh, and and millennials, if you're not open as a company and you don't embrace their gay friends, their black friends, their biracial friends, they don't want to work for you, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you. So we have no choice but to figure out how to understand our workforce better than we do um, uh, now. We have to understand what drives them, the different learning styles, and 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 to do that. You have to you have to make some changes, some structural changes. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. One of the hallmarks, I think, of 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 the way consumers are viewing restaurants today, um, or anything else for that matter, 
um, certainly uh, younger consumers, is that they really want, um, you know, they want to go to restaurants that share their values. And, um, you know, I mean, and that's clear. I mean, if nothing has come, uh, has been made perfectly evident over the past two weeks, is, is that this is a very, very important issue to a huge number of Americans. And, oh, it's just, I'm, I'm sorry. No, just go look ahead. At the pop, the, the, look at the look at the protests mm-hmm. and see who's in there. This is not just African-Americans or black folks. This is everybody. This is This could very well be a huge tipping point for for America. It's clearly a huge opportunity for the industry, for our industry. Um, And if our industry were to rally around uh, uh, something that they understand quite well, metrics. See, what's missing in my view from what I've read, and I've been pretty uh, up to speed on a number of these things, there's about 60, according to the Harvard um, uh, professor who, who spoke just yesterday on television, there's about 60 uh, shootings a year of unarmed black people, mm-hmm. 60, but you don't hear about them, do you? All right. Because they don't always catch them on cell phones. And so these issues are out there. They're not new to, to the community. What's new is people are, are, are now having to deal with it. You know, this fear causing people to have to deal with it. You couldn't look away from that video. And so this is going to force people to think, how do I become more inclusive? How do I build an inclusive organization? How do I include those perspectives? And, and so that's where your, your behaviors, inclusive behaviors, culturally intelligent behaviors have to be have to be put in place where people begin to understand, um, hey, when I hear someone talking, do I automatically assume that they don't know what they're talking about because they have they have cornrows in their hair or they have dreadlocks? We all have biases and unconscious bias. And what we have to do is get in touch with them. So companies have to educate people. They have to spend money. That's right. I know people don't like spending money, but that's what you're going to have to do um, to make sure that your, your management, your leaders can begin to understand how to connect with this workforce. Because I will tell you, uh, the pandemic and, and now these police shootings that have resulted in, in, in the, the systemic racism becoming a, a popular discussion point some people are really rethinking whether i want to stay working in the restaurant industry mm-hmm. and so if the owners and the managers say hey okay we're back to work get back to work and you don't take time or, or attention to care and ask about how people are doing uh this this whole this whole trauma that people have gone through is is real i i know for my own my own purposes my two boys couldn't talk to anybody outside the house for the first two days because they're so angry that we've seen this, this has been happening and it takes something as extreme as that to get people's attention. So I think it's a big opportunity for our industry to to find something to rally around and I'd love to see them rally around uh, holding police um, uh, reporting accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now the reporting is not required. Uh, it's it's done differently. There's no federal mandate. If, the, if there were a law that required people to report just like we report our metrics we know who does the best job in running a restaurant you can look at their numbers so why can't we see which police departments are running it the best who has the least amount of shootings who has the least amount of 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 complaints Uh, what kind of training do they have in place Uh, should everybody else be doing it and and i understand the importance of, of unions so i don't mean to throw stones at that at the unions but but there has to be a balance between the people the community, and this is where corporations can make a difference because if corporations get involved and flex their muscles 
as we've seen them do before. We've seen companies stand up and talk about uh, the the law in in, in, in South Car- North Carolina a few years back, the bathroom bill, where they it, it was all over the issue of of should uh, should uh, transgender have access to to bathrooms. And companies stood up and said, "Hey, we won't come, we won't go." So we see some people doing the right thing uh, in terms of standing up for their employees and doing the right thing and spending the money to train. Starbucks is probably at the top of the list. They understood this. They, they've just insta- just recently in- implemented uh, mental health coverage for their employees because they recognize that this whole COVID-19 is, is going to traumatize a lot of people. So, so I think there's going to need to be some systemic, some structural changes. We're going to have to have serious conversations. And the thing that's extremely important is white men and women of goodwill need to be at the front of the line. I'll say that again. White men and women of goodwill need to be at the front of the line. They need to be out there with everyone else saying, we have to change these things that are targeting blacks unfairly. We've got to change policy. We've got to look for racism in our organization and push it out. Mm-hmm. There's too many times we have these conversations, Jonathan, where someone goes, well, we know we know, John down there is – is, you know, he turns over women quite a bit and he, he doesn't have any people of color on his team, but he's got great numbers. <laughs> no, if this individual is not inclusive, he's damaging your brand and, and you need to do something about it. Right. So I think the behaviors of leadership, you know, what is the CEO going to do? If you if you haven't made a statement to your employees, you're making a statement. Mm-hmm. This is not the time to be silent. Right. It really isn't. And, yeah. and people got to be careful because sometimes the communications uh, department doesn't have the, the the cultural intelligence, the cultural wherewithal to know what words matter and what words don't. And so we've seen a couple of instances where people have gone out and said, made statements that all that did was infuriate people. Yeah. I mean, Drew Brees is a nice guy, but you know he should have thought through more completely the circumstances before you check in on something like that. Right. And once you say it, it can't get unsaid. So let's talk a little bit about some some corporate actions here. Um, one of the, to me, one of the more interesting things that we've seen in the last few days is several, a lot of companies and a number of restaurant companies, McDonald's, um, uh, Wendy's, um, uh, and and several others have come out um, and it, with some fairly forceful statements, um, you know, in support of Black Lives Matter, which I don't right. recall. Now, I might be wrong here. I don't recall I've seen that before, um, where they've been. Um, I think that the most no, you know, a notable one is um, as McDonald's, um, you know, uh, you know, mentioning, um, uh, you know, mentioning George Floyd and, and several other um, and several other uh, black men who were killed um, either by police or in other circumstances, uh, Ahmaud Arbery among them and. And, um, you know, saying, you know, coming out with some statements that were fairly forceful along those lines. I mean, do you indicate, think that's a sort of indic- indicative of, you know, these companies sort of, you know, changing or, or are they just seeing, hey, look, that this is this is super important. We really need to take a look inward here. Well, I, I think that you, you your observation is, is 100 percent correct. Uh, a year ago, people wouldn't be saying Black Lives Matter because. Mm-hmm. They were saying blue lives matter and all lives matter. Right now, the, the environment is the way it is because 
all whole group of people uh, from across the country have said this is enough. And so when you say all lives matter, um, the people who who on the other side feel like you're basically flipping them off. You're saying we don't matter. I mean, what? so what you hear companies going as far as to say Black Lives Matter is to make a statement, a strong statement that what's, what we saw. And here's the question that I would ask everybody who's listening to your podcast and anyone that you would talk to. Have you watched the full eight minutes and 48 seconds of that video? Because if you have not watched that video and you cannot force yourself to watch all almost nine minutes of it, and you don't quite understand the pain and agony that the African-American and other black communities are going through because I've watched it. I worried about it. And, and so, so when companies come out and make strong statements, they got to back it up. Mm-hmm. They've got to have, you just can't go out and make a statement. People are going to say, okay, talk is cheap. What are you doing now? So what are you doing? What are the steps people can do? And that's what has to be the conversation. What individual steps can people now take to, to, to show um, leadership in action? See, leadership is, is action, not, not, not position. And Don Thompson, the former CEO of McDonald's, used to tell me that. So it starts with you. What are you what's, what's going on in your, in your own head? What are you thinking about? What are you doing? What are your practices every day? What's your purpose? Is the purpose purely just to make money or is it to, or is it to, to, to care for the people uh, by practicing hospitality? Um, uh, you know, how do you put your values into action? Okay. If you, if you want, if you want to find out what people believe, find out what they write checks to. Okay. MFH has been out here doing this work for, for 25 years on behalf of the industry. We have a fraction of the industry that supports us mm-hmm. because they support you when they get in trouble. And I would say this, that what's different now is the environment with people has changed. They're really looking for America to, to stand up to, its, to its, its, its constitution and make this a more perfect union. So what, what are you doing? I'm looking at my own stuff. What, you know, what, what things can I change? You know, how do you have empathy for your employees who are going through such a difficult time? You know, what do you hold your, your senior leaders accountable? I remember talking to, to Jim Adamson years ago, who was the CEO of Denny's back uh, 25, 30 years ago when they got sued for, for a racial thing. And he said what he found out was when they were turning the company around, that some of the people in this company were racist. And he had to fire them. And that's what he did. And racism exists in this country. We just don't like talking about it. We never like talking about it. We don't want to talk about structural racism. Well, people catch the, uh, the virus. Black people and Hispanics catch the virus because they don't take care of themselves. No. It's because of their environment, where they live, where they brought up. You know, mm-hmm. so there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's some reality that we have to face as a, as a, as a country. And I think as an industry right now, black and brown people are making a tremendous contribution to this, com- to this industry, both as employees and as, as, as guests. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, if you look at our leadership in our industry, I just talked to our last African-American CEO, uh, Lenny Kama, who just, who just, I think last week was his last week. Yeah. Well, look at the pipeline. We're at the top. We're very white male. And listen, I love my white, white male brothers. They've been great to me. If it wasn't for mm-hmm. them and women leaders, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But we have to do better. We have to have a pipeline that legitimately develops these people to be the great, the, the, the best that they can be. And right now, whatever we have is not working. Right. Yeah, well, that uh, does bring me to the next question. I mean, Lenny's departure basically means that we have uh, um, a 
pretty white male um, uh, CEO. We don't, we do not have, I think, what we have among publicly traded restaurant chains. We have what two, two women. Yeah. Um, we have there's, you know, uh, and you know, we really have. I mean, we don't have. Um, uh, nobody is black. Um, I think we have. Uh, Jose sell with Restaurant Brands International. Mm-hmm. I don't. We we just. It's it is. Uh, it, it a really not. I mean, it's a non diverse group of right. of executives, and and um, when I think Roz Brewer at Starbucks is probably the highest ranking African American in the restaurant business right now. Well, she 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 is. A, there's a Chris Carr's a chief operating officer at, at Sweet Greens, I think yeah. now, and then there's a there's a uh, young man came out of Harvard. Harvard uh, business school who's the head of um um tiff changs mm-hmm. but we have a we have a optics problem you look at who's who's working on com- companies at the entry level and mid-level lots of women and people of color you go mm-hmm. higher and it, it's lots of white men uh, and so we that, that looks and then when you add that to the fact that our industry has historically been um viewed as being um uh not the most caring in, in industry when it comes to providing um, support for our employees, you know, healthcare and all those things that come up are, are, are things that people use to say our industry isn't a great place for you to, to build a career. So we have to change the optics. And one of the ways you change the optics is you make sure that you are developing people of difference in the same way that you develop people who look like you. And it's hard work, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's difficult. You're going to have to have direct and difficult conversations. I remember when, when, when John Bowen, the Chancellor Johnson Wills, told me, Jerry, you, you, you got talent, but you're showing up late. You're black. You can't show up late all the time. People expect you to be late. Hmm. You're going to lose your job over that one day. And that was a slap in my face. But it was the truth. And guess what? It changed me personally. And I, made, I, changed, I changed things in my, the way I operated. And it made a huge difference in my life. So I think... You know, we have to deal with the obvious. This is a time for change, a time of change that we none of us have ever seen any, before. Our industry is going to look out of step if we don't find a way to contribute and get involved. Yeah. Everyone personally has to find a way to look inside themselves and find out how we can help make our America the, a more united states of America. Right. And, and the time to do this is now. It's not tomorrow. You can't be silent on this. You have to start this work right now. I know just getting back from the from the from the uh, uh, the, the shutdown, and, and people, well, I don't have time. Well, you know what? Customers won't have time to be eating in your restaurant if they if you're perceived as being a brand that's tone deaf on this issue. Right. So so you know the, the the two things that are hit, hitting hitting us bad, uh, COVID nineteen, and and this this uh, this racism, and it all comes from. A structure that has to change. So, so hopefully we'll see some change in the in the coming weeks and months uh, that we can we can be uh, proud of. And I'm hoping that the industry will find something that it can it can rally around. And I'm certainly going to do everything I can to help make that happen. What what is what's the industry missing? Why why can't uh, you know what what and what should the industry do to 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 improve the pipeline and and make sure that that uh that uh, more women and people of color are making it to the to these top ranks well we, we have to get over the unconscious bias because bias unconscious bias keeps people out 
You know, so when you look at people and you're thinking about the interview process, oh, uh, they don't quite look the way that you like them to look. They don't they didn't go to the right school. And you and you opt people out instead of opt people in. Number one. Number two, you have to develop people and tell them this is how you go from point A to point B. And so there's this whole list of unwritten rules, which no one ever gets taught. I learned them that when I was at General Mills and I, and I read a, I read a book, Empower Yourself by Harvey Coleman. And it was all about the unwritten rules of the organization. Everybody has to do the job. But to get promoted, you need a mentor and you need a sponsor. And people got to see you looking good as, as a representative for the company. And if you don't understand how promotions um, uh, happen, you, you're never going to get promoted. I had to learn that I had to strategically volunteer in communities to work on the United Way campaign so people would get to see me. And they say, who is this guy that came in from, from uh, Rhode Island? And so I, I had to learn to change the way I dress. I had to learn about collar stays in my shirt because I didn't come from that. I had somebody from, from, from Pillsbury take me out shopping in Chicago. And he said, Jerry, you got your first bonus. Let me show you how you buy a good suit. I lost my dad at age, age 11, so none of my family was working in corporate environments. I didn't know about getting your fingernails done and, 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 and the importance of shine shoes and, and speaking the king's English. All those things are necessary for you to move up in the organization. And we all know it, but those rules aren't written anywhere that, you know, mm -hmm. how much work is done on the golf course. And so when I went through this training, and we're going to launch uh, this training this year, that was our plan even before COVID-19, COVID is to try to deliver this through the web and teach people, here are the things you need to understand about how the American business system works. And once you get the language of business, you can take control of your own career and you can advance ahead. And we have to, we have to unmask what it takes to move up. It means you got to give honest feedback and you got to give people a, a stretch opportunity and not just people who look like you. So we, there's a lot that we can do, um, but I think uh, we have to start to see individual leaders stand up and say, as the CEO of this company, we are going to do better. We're going to we're going to track it. We're going to measure it. And don't give me the excuse. Oh, well, you know, we don't want to count how many women or people of color because because it looks bad. Well, too bad. Fix it. Make it better. You know, there's that those things work when you look at other companies who have been successful in developing leaders of color and women of color, they put metrics, they track it, your bonus, your incentivized to do these things, because we know that which gets measured gets done. And as long as we don't have any measurement, we don't know how many black executives we have in our industry. We don't know how many Hispanic. We don't know because nobody wants to spend the money to do it. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. It's um do you do you think that the these these past couple of weeks, I mean, do you see that this could bring about real change in, in the restaurant industry specifically? I mean, do you do you think that that could happen? Yeah, I, I do. I will tell you why I'm optimistic. Um uh we have a history in America of coming back from the toughest challenges and getting better after that. And and so that's that's number one. And number two, we have some really good leaders in our industry mm -hmm. who, who I think will stand up. And, and, you know, prior to this, we were focused on trying to advance the initiative called uh, CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion. And it's an organization that was started in, in by Fortune 500 companies. Uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers was the first one. And I think we have a handful of restaurant companies that are involved. And they make a commitment to, to, to delivering 
anti-bias training. They make a commitment to have the tough conversations and that need to be had around there. Like, how come there's no women on the team at this level? They make a commitment to to share that information with others, share their best and worst practices. And lastly, they, they, they involve their boards of directors. Don Thompson told me a few weeks ago when I talked to him, the single biggest driver for diversity and inclusion and the ones that have been successful is the board has made it part of who they are. It's the culture of the board of directors who say inclusion and diversity matter. And if they do, the company gets better. If it's just to check off the box, oh, we've had a woman, we've had a black, you go back to the same old, everybody taking care of the same old, same old. And we just have to have, so I'm optimistic that we're going to see change. This is some really good people in our industry. Um, and I think this is a crease in history where we have enough momentum where if we really want to change America, they really want to get racism on the run, um, this is, feels like the time to do it. It, it feels like a, a, a 60s movement kind of time. And let's, let's see what, 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 we'll, what we'll do hopefully 100 years from now when people look back at our industry, they'll say those leaders were the ones who, who, who got involved and, and took this, this issue seriously and made significant change you know, for, for, for the country and for our industry. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful of that. Sir, this was uh, fantastic. Appreciate you joining us this week on the podcast. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for the great work you do. Keep it up. This episode of A Deeper Dive was edited by Kimberly Kazmarek. Artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. You can find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and find them wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business Magazine. Thank you for listening.